Good morning, everyone. It is October 19th, uh, about 8.25 in the morning. I'm still making my London fog this morning. I thought, why not start talking? So this one's not nearly so loud as using the Nespresso machine, which has been set aside for a while. I'm still really liking having my tea. It's gentler on my system. So which I think is always a good thing, right? Why not be gentle on myself while I can? Uh, that's what my friend Kelly Robson, I feel like I mention her a lot, but I think it's because we chat quite a bit every day. Uh, she's always telling me to be gentle with myself. She is that voice in my life. That's one of the lovely things about her. So I don't know how much I have to say today. I have been working intently on Ursula and Harlan's story, The Dragons of Summer, uh, and making good progress. I am actually just shy of 23K on the story now, which I had originally planned to be about 25K. Um, but So I will certainly hit... And then when I... Um, figured out where my scene one, that's how I do my structuring, once I figured out where my scene one ending was and where my act one climax is, I kind of determined that I was probably going to end around, well, it's an absurdly precise number because I just multiplied the number of words at act one climax by four, so it's like 26868 or something like that. So at any rate, I will probably get uh, to that point today. Almost certainly I'll get to that point today. Uh, the big difference being that I think it will not actually be done at that point. Uh, I think I have quite a bit more story to tell, uh, which is how it works sometimes. And that's not bad. I can work on it some next week to uh, take the weekend to sort of let it simmer a bit. I'm also going to be going back and pulling a lot of stuff out of the opening, I think. Uh, because it's in Harlan's point of view, of course, this will be the first time that we see all of the events from the past. And with Jenna, who's in Chronicles of Disneyria, that trilogy, it's going to be the first time that we'll see what occurred from his point of view. And... I started out the story with him musing about it, and then later he actually does tell the story. I think that's probably not spoilery because, well, if it is, you're spoiled now. Uh, I think that um, that was inevitable, that he would eventually tell this story. So because of that, we don't need all of that information in there twice. So I'm going to have to go back through and... Hi, Isabel. We're going to have to go back. I'll have to go back through and pull a lot of that information out. What? She's looking at the phone in my hand very suspiciously. What a pretty kitty you are. So at any rate, I've been making good progress, and that always feels good. I'm always happiest when the words are flowing well, and drafting is my, my sweet spot. Uh, that is a question that writers ask each other sometimes. Uh, 
like if we have to interview each other about stuff. It's funny because readers don't ask us that because they don't really care. Uh, but for writers, it is an interesting question. It's like, which do you like best, drafting or revising? And a whole lot of writers prefer the, the revising phase. Um, I had a friend who used to say that, uh, that revising was God's work. <laughs> And I would counter that it was more like the other guy's work. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm fond of devils in general. Um, yeah, um, I, I love to draft. I love feeling the story flow out. And I used to think, this has changed. I used to think that revising was I, I I said this many times that revising was fixing what I got didn't get right the first time and I have really changed on that see I'm maturing um, and I've come to realize that a lot of my process involves writing through things that don't need to be in there later and so I often get comments from readers I can never tell if it's necessarily a bad thing but they'll say in reviews they'll say it was slow to start but then it really once it was going it was like nonstop. and I can't decide if that's something I need to fix or not I think some of that is working into a fantasy pace uh, that a fantasy pace is always going to be slower and especially mine. It's, it's not urban fantasy. It's not suspense. It's not even mystery. And I think in our culture right now, we are um, very much attuned to the immediate hooky opening. And certainly that's something to aspire toward. Um, but I think in some ways... There's a lot to be said for establishing the feel of the story. I'm putting a couple things away here. Out in the garage of doom. So sometimes I wonder if that's what what that slow opening feel is. Is it's really the uh, becoming accustomed to the pace of the story and then once they're in it they don't notice so much something to contemplate anyway it's hard for me to tell of course because I'm in the middle of still reading lines of Al-Rasan I think I am uh, well let's see where I'm at I think I'm close to 80% now I know I passed the 75% mark that being, of course, something that I always pay attention to because the 75% mark is the Act 2 climax. So I always notice where we are in the story. Um, and Gavriel K. holds close to those uh, milestones, those beats, pretty closely. Most writers do, though. Oh, I'm at 81%. Yeah, 81% and the action is definitely escalating at this point. I think K is very interesting. 
in how he does, um, especially climactic moments, um, that he has a definite rise and fall in the action of a climactic scene that I think is very effective, where you think it's going to go badly, and then, oh no, you think maybe it's going to be okay after all, and and it looks like the terrible thing won't happen, and then, oh, but it does happen, or it happens in a different way or worse than what you expected. Uh, and there's definitely an effectiveness to that kind of rhythm. Sometimes, you know, he does that circling thing, and a couple of you commented on that about, um, you know, how he takes the camera that I was talking about yesterday in and out. Uh, the scene where, for those of you who've read it, uh, where Rodrigo is attacked by Amalek's assassins. Steeping. That scene where you don't know who got killed for a while. All you know is that someone got killed, and it could be any one of a number of people, and he sort of slowly introduces various people arriving on the scene, and you're like, I, I confess I was kind of hoping Alvar was dead because <laughs> I don't really like Alvar. Maybe... Alvar's better than he used to be, but uh, I don't know. The bold and impetuous young man character rarely works for me. So, oh, I got all distracted by that. Oh, well, you know, so then Alvar arrives on the scene, and he's fine. And you're like, well, so it wasn't him that died. And uh, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that. I don't know. In some ways, it was very interesting um, and kept me in suspense, wondering who it was who died. But it also felt slightly precious to me. It was kind of like, okay, just tell me who's dead. You know what? What is there really a good reason not to just tell me right off? Um, it almost felt like a false suspense. You know what I mean? It's like uh, with I, I. So okay, so this is what it is. It's withholding information from the reader. Uh, in order to create suspense, which is just, I think, very rarely works. The best, maybe I shouldn't say it it's doesn't work, it's not as effective. Um, I think the most effective suspense, and certainly like the most effective kind of, this applies to murder mysteries, right? That it's most effective when you give the reader all of the information that they need and they still can't figure it out or predict what's going to happen. Uh, so every once in a while there will be the murder mystery where uh, I know there was one somebody was telling me about that was very popular but she threw the book against the wall because the the mystery turned out to be the whodunit uh, the villain or whatever was someone that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> it was a it was a total um, trick, and you know readers in general don't like tricks. And that one was interesting because apparently a lot of people really liked that book, but the uh, second one totally tanked, and it was based on the exact same trick. 
you know, and it's like, well, you know, it's that, that fool me once thing. Maybe I'll let you get away with the trick once, but you can't build every plot on that. So I think that's part of it. It's like, if you're depending on me to be in suspense and playing on my emotions um, because you're not telling me information that you could very easily tell me. Because that's it, is that, you know, all of the characters in the scene know exactly who it is who's dead. It's not like it's a mystery to them. It's the author being precious and withholding the information. Uh, you know, and, and I just think that that's, uh, well, it's an easy way out. That's the second time I've accused Guy Gavriel K of taking the easy way out. A couple of you who commented said that he always bases his, I just had my first sip there. I should have noted it. It was very good. Isabel wants out, so I'm being... Uh, and Jackson tried for the jailbreak. Ah, it didn't work. He'll do this thing where if I let her out, she doesn't have to be on the harness because she doesn't run off. He's looking unimpressed by my chiding. Uh, and she'll be... She's the older cat, and so she she likes to pause on the threshold and sniff the air and look, and she'll ease out slowly and... He'll do this trick where he'll come running up from behind and, you know, sort of put his nose in her tail. And I can't shut the door on her tail just because he's a brat. <laughs> he put his ears back at that. Uh, so he has managed a jailbreak a couple of times with that technique. But not today, Satan. Not today. Ugh put him out on his harness here. Don't get tangled up in the microphone cord, Jackson. It's pretty out here. Chilly. Not that cold, though. I think it was like 37 when I woke up. And there was um, a gorgeous fog. It's funny, for all of this being the high desert, uh, we get these amazing fogs here. It almost looks like the Scottish Highlands uh, with the mistiness, the moors. I feel like going and running after Heathcliff. It's me, I'm Kathy. I've come home. Oh. I'm not a good singer, but I love that Kate Bush song. Hmm. Boy, and it's so peaceful out here. I don't know if you can tell from the microphone. There's no, there's no breeze. And it's... Um, a few bird songs and that muffled feel of the fog. I took a picture of it earlier for you. It's lifting now, burning out, burning off. The sun's coming up or rising high. It came up around 7.15, I guess, today. Soon we'll set the clocks back, thank goodness. Hmm, a little too cool to stand out here in my sundress, though. Sundress for inside walking on the treadmill. Because I get pretty warm doing that. Not correct clothing for standing outside. Oh, but now Jackson thinks he's going to take off on his leash. So today will be a cat wrangling day. Don't do that, Jackson. Go down to your spot.
come on. Come on. <coughs> so what else? I am going to go up to Taos tomorrow. I'm going to go uh, spend the weekend, or at least Saturday night, Saturday day and night, with uh, Minerva Spencer, who writes historical romance for Kensington. She's heavy on book deadline, but her husband's going to be gone, and we can... He's going to a stamp convention. I'm, I'm very concerned about him. I don't understand how he can spend so many hours. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get the stamp thing. I get the pretty pictures. I get the collecting something. I don't know. I don't, I don't really understand the rest. It's not my thing. Clearly not my thing. Glad that he has a thing. Should be lovely. Uh, Minerva used to run a bed and breakfast, so she has this really beautiful house and property up in Taos. Uh, so I plan to, I think I will not take my computer, and I will hang out and just read, and we will drink wine and talk writing. That should be a nice break. And then when I get back on Monday morning, I'll see where I get today on the Dragons of Summer. If I get all the way through, I don't know if I'm going to get all the way through to... I think there's going to have to be like a climactic scene that I won't spoiler. Um, and I don't know if I'll get to that today. Maybe I will. Um, but then on Monday, I'll probably start at the beginning. And I'll either have to write that ending or I'll go back and start at the beginning and start pulling some of that information out again. I think that's part of why I don't like revising too is that I get negative word count, which intellectually I know is perfectly fine and an important part of the process, but the rest of me kind of resents dreadfully. <laughs> it's like, why why do I have to take words out? I put so much effort into those words. But I think I had to, um, you know, sometimes you have to work your way into someone's point of view, especially if you write like I do, where you think about where you kind of get inside the character's head and write about what they're thinking. Uh, I have to find those things out. And Harlan is a particularly inscrutable person uh, for a number of reasons. You all probably understand that, who are our fans. Um, but, yeah. All right, I guess I don't have anything else to say. I'm going to get to work today, get this done. And I will talk to you all, I don't know, we might do a podcast with Minerva. That would be fun. Uh, maybe I'll talk to you from the car if I feel the inclination as I'm driving up. We'll just see, won't we? It'll be a surprise. Uh, hey, have a fabulous Friday. Uh, end of the traditional work week. Have a lovely weekend. And I will talk to you all later. Bye-bye.